All right. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Prime podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm David. And today, we are looking at the fifth and final part of Darkness Rising. The darkness is finally reaching its pinnacle. That's right. Darkness Rising, part five, a new beginning. Or possibly it's reaching a denouement, because, I mean, the the final chapter of a thing is not necessarily the climax. Sometimes it's the, the wrapping up. Oh, this is true. Yeah, if if we are doing this by Friday the 13th movies, we've reached the one with Roy that doesn't have Jason <laughs> in it. Oh, right. Yeah, we, we've reached the end of Transformers Prime. Yay, we'll get to move on to the next series next week. Yep, that's it. It's over. Everybody go home. I would like to, I, I just want to say that it, this did, uh, make me think of how at the end of the, the G1 pilot, uh, more than meets the eye. Uh, because, hey, back then it was original. Uh, to call a Transformers thing more than meets the eye. Uh, but at the end of the episode, they had clearly not intended to continue running the series, and it's all this stuff about how, well, the Autobots are going home now. Bye. <laughs> and then after that, they did not actually go home. So, sort of made me think about that, even though in this case, they obviously were cleared for an entire season before finishing the script. I see it. So this uh, first aired December the 3rd, 2010, uh, written by Joseph Kerr, who is clearly just the Joker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did, wait, how many different names has the Joker had? I mean, uh, he was uh, Jack Napier in that uh, Tim Burton Batman movie. Yeah, I didn't know he actually had other names besides that. Whereas I no, don't see, believe he's been he, given one in the he, comics. Because he could be Joe Kerr. Yes. Because he's Joseph Kerr. Oh, and then we have to explain the joke to David. That? That's fine. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't... Well, I, I'm trying to transform Elita one because I just found her. This oh, I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. I have not found her yet. It was purely by and accident. I, I, it's, it's, finding new toys lately has been complicated. I got a ripper snapper. I don't have anybody else from his wave. Oh. Yeah, he seems to have, he seems to be lingering around my Walmart. Uh, so far my, my most impressive toy find, like, since that wave, uh, was a, an inexplicable Nendoroid link at Target. But yeah, no, uh, no good Transformers since Blackwing and Moonracer. Anyway, he's written, this is his first uh, Transformer script. He's previously written a bunch of uh, Batman, Brave and the Bold, The Batman, and uh, reaching back further into his career, uh, Masked Rider. Ooh. Ill-fated attempt oh, oh, by Saban no. to bring Common uh, Rider to America. Yes. It uh, it didn't work. Yeah, where they, oh, they introduced that horrible nightmare that is Furbus. Uh, played by, uh, the guy who played Mini-Me, right? I, I have no idea who was in the Furba suit. I just know that that's one of the most horrific, almost Ewok-looking things that's ever been put on film. Man, remember the mid-90s when it, that was a thing of just trying to bring over random Sentai shows? 
I mean, yeah, it's, it's a little bit an Ewok, a little bit, um, Mac from Mac and Me. It kind of, it, it, it kind of looks like a giant Furby. Yes, although it predates the Furby. I just wanted- it Almost makes you wonder if they stole fur- the name Furby from Furbus. I just want to name drop Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Which, oh my god, it's getting a sequel. They, oh my god, they I'm so happy. Sh- that's one of the random things they show on Pluto TV's, like, cartoon oh, channels. Oh, neat. And, and, and uh, it, by saying Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad is getting a sequel, I mean, Gridman, the original show, tokusatsu show in Japan, is getting a sequel, and the title of the new show is called Gridman S-S-S-S. <laughs> <laughs> the subtitle is actually Superhuman Cy- Samurai Cyber Squad. And meanwhile, no, here I am just waiting around for my tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills uh, reboot. <laughs> At this point, I don't think it's going oh, to happen. Did that? No. Did that last more than like five episodes? I saw one and it was so sad. I think they made an entire season. Wow. Oh, jeez. Uh, any, anyway, uh, enough live action yes. stuff talk. Transformers. Yes, and, uh... start off with Optimus Prime sort of imagining what would happen if uh, Megatron shot a chunk of Dark Energon uh, at Cybertron, resurrected a bunch of zombies there, and then brought them to Earth via Space Bridge, which looks like it should have Thanos uh, running it. Megatron's plan is super metal. It is a very metal plan. (laughs) This whole sequence of... His plan is Day of the Dead by... Throwing a chunk of his geode at Cybertron. It's cool. <laughs> just weird, the cool. whole sequence is just like, it needs to be a heavy metal music video. With all these, like, robot zombies it's... pulling themselves up. I mean, it's a Brian Tyler music video, but it's not the same. Yeah, this whole sequence is like two minutes long or so. The yeah, point is, I mean, it's, it's super like metal. That. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, but all that isn't, uh, but we, we drop all of this cosmic metal to, uh, uh, go back to the KO burger. Yes. Uh, Jack Which has, has com- a pretty great sign. Yes. Remember, every yeah. patty is a knockout. Yes. <laughs> also, I think he's the only person who works here. Uh-huh. Well, he's the only person in that town <laughs> other than two girls we may never see again. Oh, no, yes. we are going to see them again. Yes, we will see them again. I find that it's, it's in a knockout episode. Yeah. Uh, ooh, oh, I, I don't like the idea of young girls in a knockout episode. That that sends mixed messages. Mean girls, I mean, he's uh, not pursuing the young girls. Yes, I was gonna say. I think they're well, safe. Well, I know knockout isn't going to be pursuing the girls, but just just the the mix of anyway. it's the episode where they have a race. Yes. Oh. right. Anyway, so he gets there via bicycle, and uh, waiting for him there is R.C., who is making catty remarks about his new ride. His new stalker, R.C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she, oh, dude. 
she's hitting on him again. And I didn't, the, the only line I wrote down about the conversation is something along the lines. It's like, uh, Jack, you're growing on me, which, you know, yes. innuendo still there. I'm, I may be reaching this time more than usual, but I mean, here. she's definitely getting very clingy, possibly because her pal just died. Yeah, and she, she, yeah, she acknowledges that. that. She's like, maybe it's because I just lost a friend, but, you know, don't want to see you go yet. Yeah. So, you know, she's, uh, anyway, back at the Autobot base. Um, they've, uh, they found that, uh, you know, the, the, the Decepticon space bridge is in Earth orbit, and we are going to have to use the ground bridge to get there, even though that is mad dangerous. Yeah, it's called a ground bridge, guys. Come on. Yeah. It it needs to stay on the ground. So they're all... Eh. Yeah, like, did, did this space bridge just sneak up on them? It's pretty damn big. It's bigger than a spaceship. I mean, maybe they built it... I don't know where exactly it came from. Did yeah, they already have it? I have concerns about the structure of the space bridge. Because it's basically a ring, a metal constructed ring that's yeah. floating in space, but it's got all this rock sticking off the edge of it. Like, at some point it was built, like, on the ground and then launched into space, or, but took part of the ground with it, or... Maybe they built it in the asteroid belt. I mean, maybe, yeah, they, they but they found, then... like, a donut rock and just drilled a hole in it. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be some kind of donut rock thing because like I just there's no purpose for those rocks to be there mm. I just have concerns about the structural purpose of those rocks I guess it's entirely possible those are there to to uh add to how much it looks metal mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah, I do. You, it does look like a big purple um, guy should be running this thing. <laughs> I, I was thinking space oh, yeah. donut. Yeah, we're going to see that again. Or alternately, it kind of looks like uh, a star, the Stargate, the titular Ooh. Stargate. Yes. Yeah, only much, much, much bigger. Well, Rockier. How do they transport spaceships? I don't remember which. Any. The show, um, it, it's not been three minutes from the end of last episode. Count, if you're skipping over, oh, we get the opening intro this time. That's neat. No, we don't. Not, not until next time. Oh, shit. <laughs> Never mind. I'll have to edit that out. Okay. Anyway, well, it, it's, it's been like three minutes and it's the end of last episode when Jack left to now, like, Three minutes later, it's like his third act turn of the, like, I'm leaving, we're breaking up, and I'm back. Yep, that didn't last Ridiculously long. I, oh, that did kind of feel like a, a forced end of episode cliffhanger thing. But I also, apparently, to get the kids to not follow you, you have to be going to a place where they explicitly cannot survive. You you have to be like, look, there is no air there, so you can't come. And then they'll be like, all right, we'll stay behind this time. I was just about to say that uh, you know he is pl- he is played by Josh Keaton, 
uh, former Spider-Man, and so he knows guys who quit things and then immediately unquit them. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I'm kind of surprised Miko didn't say she wanted to go, and, and then they had to explain to her how she can't breathe in space because she's not Batman. That's <laughs> <laughs> I can see you having to explain to Miko that she can't breathe in space. Like, she would know that on an intellectual level if she stopped to think about it, but she has, you have to make her stop to think about it. Yes. Yes, because she's nothing but no impulse control. Yeah. Yeah. So they uh, they ground bridge there, minus uh, Ratchet, who stays behind and tells Prime that he if he leaves him stranded on this planet, he will never forgive him. <laughs> he's <laughs> such a jerk. It's so great. Uh, and then they go through this and they drive through space. It's like Energon all over again. Uh, cars uh, in space. Although if they transform to go through the ground bridge, and then as soon as they get out of the bridge in space, they immediately transform back to robot mode. Why? Was it just for the momentum? I Maybe. guess. Yeah. They get momentum that launches them into space, and then they can gravitize and use their, their space feet to stick to the metal of this uh, this space bridge. That's not gravity. That's just magnets. Come on. How do they work? I don't know. That's... <laughs> Let's ask Michael Reeves. <laughs> so we've got uh, the Decepticon ship. It's closing in, and they've got to... Uh, they're still in the process of of uh, getting Cybertron's coordinates, because you don't want to miss and just shoot your dark energy into the sun or something. Also, their ship clearly has a face. Yes. It just it yeah, made me think a lot of face. Beast Machines Megatron at first. I mean, oh, it's if a, not as distinct a face. Yeah. There's kind of a reason that it has a face. Well, yeah. Oh, right. Yes. But that just seems more of like an Easter egg than an actual thing. Yeah. yeah. So, however, despite being sort of in range to do something, the Decepticons don't do anything. They just kind of sit they hang there. Out. They got stuff to do. Uh, because it turns out that last episode, uh, Bulkhead smashed their interstellar navigation dish. And so they need some other way to get there, to, to scan this thing. Womp womp. Oops. And what do they need? It is the giant-sized array. Ooh. This is kind of a real thing. And, and... Well, it's called the large array. I think it's the very large array. It's either very Miko large is, or extremely large. <laughs> Miko is all like, don't they know where Cybertron is? And they have to explain to her, like, interstellar coordinates. Yes, like, like it's very large, it, but it's also very far away. Yes. Yes, it is. Like, you know how you're from Japan. That's very close compared to where Cybertron is. <laughs> yes. But uh, anyway, I'm familiar with the very large array because I watched a lot of bad science fiction movies made in the 90s. Ooh. They liked uh -huh. the very large array back then. I mean, you saw this in Contact, in Species. Yes. Um, uh, was it in Arrival? The first Arrival, not the it better is one, Arrival? That, it's where Charlie Sheen works. 
in the first oh, level, and okay. it's also where the climax... I remember he worked at a satellite dish, I didn't remember where. It's also where the climactic scene occurs, in which he must do battle with uh, evil 90s yuppie Ron Silver. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, then. Anyway, so they... Uh, so they, uh, they're gonna need to hack into this thing, but unfortunately they can't, because this small child cannot hack through, uh, government firewalls. Even though he did in an, in a previous episode. I mean, I guess these are a little more, uh, high tech. And, and you know, the good news is they How? do have a government guy who could get into them, but the bad news is he is still mostly not coherent. The one that he used yeah, previously, the one that he hacked into previously, was the one that was keeping track of where Fowler was. Like, uh, for well, tracking okay. CIA agents. I guess the difference is this yeah, one yeah, is that, like NASA, so it's run by nerds. Ah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, that that's the point. Like, like the other one was a government-made system. And this is this one... This one is made by scientists for scientists. This is one that's made work. by people who didn't want to actually spend money on security versus one that was programmed by people who probably were the the security programmers. I understand. I definitely understand the thing, the uh, difference between things made by people who want to spend money on them and things made by people who don't. Yes. So, uh, Jack decides, okay, so if we can't do this remotely, maybe we can do it from there. And, again, Fowler's no, uh, help because he wants everybody to put on pants. I mean, that's <laughs> reasonable. I guess, is he, t I guess he's talking to Ratchet? <laughs> I think he's just he not wear clothing of any kind? A hallucination, I don't know. A hallucination who isn't wearing pants? Yes. Hmm. The best kind or the worst kind? <laughs> or both? Oh no! He's having nightmares about Dan Aykroyd in that hotel scene. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> with, with the ghost. Ugh. I, don't, I, I don't think they've hired, uh, I don't think they've hired Winston by that point. I think there's that big montage and then, then at the end of it you see Winston like with the want ad, uh, walking up to the firehouse. So he probably just had to rely on Egon telling him about that time Ray got a ghost beach. Well, no, because in, since it's cut down to like a dream sequence or some shit, Ray was probably telling Winston his story about the dream he had. And Winston was just nodding along. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How much am I getting paid? <laughs> Not enough. To put up with these weirdos. So they... <clears throat> oh, I, I have a line written down, no shit Starscream, but I forget why. <laughs> I think this is the point where they Starscream now are... Uh, oh, there's a great Megatron line here. Optimus Prime never disappoints, <laughs> unlike you, Starscream. <laughs> unlike oh. some of my other warriors. Oh, and then you the subsequent line is, surely, Lord Megatron, the Autobots are up to something. Really, Starscream? Oh, that was the no shit Starscream. <laughs> you know, it, I, I wonder how, like, it must have been kind of bittersweet for Frank Welker to, to be acting with a, a new Starscream, all oh, things yeah, considered. Yeah, this would be. Um, well, I guess the first time barring that video game that he did for the well, first time. Well, yeah, movie. but. Yeah. That's not the same, though. That's just a dumb video game. Yes. Burn video. 
Well, th- th- this is a different Starscream, sort of. He's more sniveling. I don't think he's as intelligent as G1 Starscream, which is saying a lot. It's hard to say. I mean, he was actually running the place for a while, which uh Starscream never actually did without getting betrayed by the Triple Changers, which is just embarrassing. Uh, yeah, I'm but, still, but like, he's... there's no competition. It's a bunch of Viacoms and Soundwave, I suppose. I mean, he's, he's enough like G1 Starscream that I imagine, you know, you think about Chris Latta being yeah. not with them anymore. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm just here to be depressing. <laughs> that's, that's my job here. Oh. So yeah, the uh, the Viacons are deployed. Autobots start kicking their collective asses, but there are a lot of them. And I think this is the first time we see the Jet Viacons. Ah, uh, yeah, I was thinking um, that. I'm not sure, yeah. but because they're Jet Viacons and they're Car Viacons, and they're reasonably identical. Yes, yes, they are. Well, in robot mode, they're yeah, in robot mode. They're kind of like uh, kind of like the uh, Cloud Raker and Fastlane. <gasps> Fastlane and Cloud Raker. Yeah, they're very, very cool. Roger Dodger, Optimus Prime. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was trying to decide if I should. Clearly, I should have. Yes. Right, so the uh, so the the kids go to the array. Uh, luckily, Charlie Sheen has the day off. <laughs> they sneak in. Yeah, there, there are no people here conveniently. Yes. Yeah, there which, are no um, people, so they don't have to have models for them. Yeah, once we get to Robots in Disguise, we are going to have, like, a drinking game of every time something is inexplicably automated, and we're all going to die of alcohol poisoning. Yes. <laughs> well, see, then yeah, like, no um, people get harmed. But yes, well, yes, everything is just conveniently evacuated or abandoned. or It's it's like in Dragon Ball, when they translated Dragon Ball Z and all the towns were conveniently evacuated ahead of time in dub. <laughs> Until you get to the Android saga and that is unavoidable. There is loads of murder. <laughs> so much murder. Anyway, before we all end up in the home for infinite losers. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they uh, they found that the Decepticons have already in it and we kind of have like, they're adjusting it. The Decepticons are adjusting it. It's kind of it's like a Simpsons scene. Bed goes up, bed goes down, bed goes up. <laughs> yes. Well, and they're even in the next room, like somehow they sneak into a dark little room, past no security or any other people, find a little computer to hack in that looks like an old apple or something. Yes. And literally in the next room, Soundwave is squatting down with his tentacles in a computer. It is very uncomfortable. That is not going to be good for his back. The Soundwave is coming from inside the house. <laughs> Soundwave is in your base, poning your dudes. That's why there's yeah. no security. He moitered them. Ooh. Well, as we are going to see some somewhat unsettling violence here. Yes. So they uh, they, they get these... Uh, so since they've hacked this, Raph can now hack them, and he gets their space bridge plans. Uh, but as soon as, you know, the, the kids start hacking into it, the Soundwave then also knows that they are hacking, and so he goes... A full Dr. Octopus here. <laughs> yes. Which, like, also, his long tentacle claws are very Dr. Octopus, but, but, like, at the end of the tentacle, there's five little tentacles coming out of it that make it a little creepier. Yeah, but he calls those the ticklers. 
<laughs> well, he doesn't call them anything. <laughs> well, no, he does not you call them. You know what I say, Jen? If somebody else calls them ticklers, he will repeat it, but with a weird robot voice. <laughs> the ticklers. I'm, I'm traumatized now. Anyway, luckily, Miko is from Japan, and she knows what to do in the event of tentacle emergency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she, she's well-trained. And I, I really like the horror movie lighting, because cause the room the kids are in, like, has horror movie lighting. It's from underneath. I mean, speaking of Dr. Octopus, it's a lot like that scene in Spider-Man 2, where, uh, where Dr. Octopus is in, like, the hospital right after his accident, and his tentacles go all evil dead on the uh on the nursing staff oh that sounds neat i didn't really enjoy that movie as much as everybody else i didn't think it was that good i I have no david (laughs) anyway but but like (laughs) Soundwave is in a bright room because he broke a light in the ceiling and they're in an under light and it's an odd contrast that the most frightening character in this entire well First or second most frightening character in this entire series is like in daylight and he's still yes and she just, like, grabs a fire axe and starts to go to town on these tentacles. But then the tentacle hits her, and then the tentacle grabs the axe. Just steals the axe and leaves. <laughs> and, I mean, even though there are like, robotic oh, tentacles, you. there's sort of this increase of menace. Like, oh, no, that tentacle has an axe. <laughs> yes. Yeah, J- Jack actually says, you handed it an axe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is, yeah, pretty reasonable, uh response anyway the tentacles go away they rush next door soundwave has used the tent the axe to cut the hard line so now there's no way to readjust the dishes and they are locked into cybertron finding position nobody calls that a hard line what do you call just a cable a A cable yeah it's just a cable all of this hacking makes me so tv shows and movies do shit but yeah it's not as insane as like shit that happened in numbers when they go into an IRC channel and it was nothing like an IRC channel. It's not like Digimon. Like you'd have two people typing at the same time on the same keyboard. What the fuck? (laughs) At least it's not Digimon. Oh, Digimon was awesome. I mean, in some ways. Wrong, but awesome. (laughs) That didn't involve the computer terminology and technology and things. Anyway. Alright, so. Transmetal um, drivers. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, oh, um. So, so Soundwave cuts the hard line. The kids come in. Miko takes a picture of Soundwave with her cell phone. Flip phone. Again? Soundwave takes a picture of them. Yeah, the flip phone. Uh, portrait mode again. Miko. Well, I mean, it is a portrait, so that's actually okay. He's very tall and lanky, so portrait is the correct orientation. But then uh, Soundwave takes a picture of them. Yes! I love how there's the the clicky camera sound, and it's so ominous. Soundwave is fantastic in this series, and that is a great little moment that sort of establishes his menace. He's the best Soundwave. Yeah. But like most other sound waves are like either they don't have a personality, kind of like G1, he just sounded cool, or like the comics now sound waves, pretty good in, in that he's sort of ex-Decepticon, he liked the Decepticon cause, but Megatron sort of betrayed the cause and shit, but the, this sound wave is just nightmarish or frightening, he's straight out of like horror movie. he's the tall man 
Only he doesn't talk. Well, I... Slender we, man. We, uh, hmm. uh, you play a good game, boys. <laughs> anyway, so... Sound Ridge is ready to go. Starscream turns it on, and Megatron just straight up tosses this giant ass geode of dark energy on through it. It's pretty great. I he, uh, he does an Atlas pose and just chucks this purple kryptonite into the portal. And, and guy oh, thinks he's Neil Adams up, or yeah. something. <laughs> I meant to look up what purple kryptonite does, but I forgot. I don't know that purple kryptonite is a thing. Probably just make Superman horny or something. Color. There's pink, I know. I believe pink kryptonite was a gag, uh, was a Peter David gag that turns you gay. It's, it, it's still listed in Wikipedia. I want to say, because I used to deal with a surprising amount of Silver Age stuff when I was working at Half Price Books doing the comics, and I want to say that there were, like, actually varying colors of kryptonite that did stupid things. I mean, I know there's the red one, but I oh, believe yeah. there were other ones. You okay, know, like the Rainbow Batmans. Anti-kryptonite? Apparently purple kryptonite causes Superman to lose all of his inhibitions. So it's like booze <gasps> I was right! It does oh. turn you horny! It is a horny one. Or oh, I was thinking more like drunk. Him horny. Oh. Periwinkle kryptonite? <laughs> <laughs> the we're out of color is kryptonite. Yeah, the, the one I found, it, it it has the same description as purple. It just calls it periwinkle. Ah, the one that really puzzles me is white kryptonite, which just kills plants. How does that even come up? How is that useful? I mean, I guess if you're fighting, like, poison ivy or the floronic man or something. Well, well you I could guess. Just use dry ice or salt. But that doesn't right? have anything to do with Superman. <laughs> no, it does oh. not. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we get uh, we get a real Armageddon scenario here as the the dark energon hits Cybertron, uh, and just millions of zombies just start rising up. And there is a great scene where this uh, you you see you know surface of Cybertron. There's a guy who's like impaled on a pole, sort yes. of pulling himself off the pole. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's always a good move. Such it looks very cool. Good zombie stuff. And then I guess luckily they can fly? Question mark? Yeah, well, it doesn't, it like, there's this step missing between them getting, dragging themselves up from the ground to death to they're just flying in space toward the portal. It's like, how did they get off? Is the gravity that low? They just jumped? Or maybe zombies can fly? Sure. Like the dark energon gives them flight powers? Yes. That would, Definitely make for an interesting zombie movie if you have them floating around. <laughs> I want to see Why that Why are now. we floating in space like this? <laughs> oh. So they start swarming towards the space bridge, and Prime realizes that, okay, you know, there's only one thing we can do, and that is we got to blow this space bridge up. And luckily, uh, somebody just happened to have downloaded uh, the specs for the space bridge. So he and Ratchet start working on them. Convenient. And it, it's... It's time for a big Optimus Megatron fight. The first and, of the series. You know, just for <sighs> just for extra impact, we will point out that destroying the space bridge means they can't get back to Cybertron. Which yes. is now a, not just a wasteland, but a zombie-infested wasteland. Yeah, so like, it's it, like... It, at this point, it seems like, why did you even bring that up, Ratchet? It's like, 
Oh, we can't get back to Cybertron. A was dead. B now it's covered in zombies. You don't I want mean, to go there anyway. I mean, at this point, you might as well just burn it. Just throw it into a sun. That's the only thing to do with it. Yep. <laughs> just burn the entire thing. And also, it's about here where the uh, the Transformers the movie dialogue starts coming. Ah, uh, yeah. It, it's see, they like, realized they a- had gotten towards the end of the fifth episode, and they hadn't gotten that stuff in there, and they were like, "Oh crap." Yeah, like, I have, I forget what he says, but I have a line written down that says, I am okay with Jeffrey Combs quoting the movie. Yes. The very next line, but Cullen doing it again? Ugh. You're telling me Ratchet, I have to read this again. Ratchet Can't we give this one to light to our dark? Ratchet says to light, oh, light our, our darkest, darkest hour. Yeah, that- he does it in a way that seems to suggest that even Ratchet as the character knows he's quoting something. <laughs> yes. It, it does kind of feel like he's quoting like the Cybertronian version of Shakespeare. The, the Covenant of Primus. Yeah. But Cullen's saying, once you'll stand, once you'll fall again, it's like, uh, that has been said at least like a dozen times in various series and stuff since the movie, mostly by Cullen, sometimes well, yeah. just in comic books. But it's, That's how uh, you know it's Transformers. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I, I never want to hear that line again. <laughs> or at least, I never want to hear that line either said by Cullen and, and Welker again, or I want to hear it like misquote. Preferably, I'd like to hear it misquoted by somebody like Rodimus. Look, like, at least He starts it out did. fine and then just does... Something like, one shall stand and the other's gonna trip, or something. Look, at least they didn't play the touch. I'm not sure at this point if I'm more annoyed by the words or the touch. I mean, the touch is unavoidable. Oh, it's gonna keep coming back. And it's not as good a song as Dare, touch. or anything else on the soundtrack. Bring back Instruments of Destruction, damn it. Oh, that was a good song. I want to cover that. So anyway, yeah, we get we get the big Prime Megatron fight. Bulkhead, RC, and Bumblebee are headed off to go uh, reverse the polarity of the neutron flow or whatever it is that. Yeah, that's basically what it is. It, it's that a very target solution, guys. Guys, i i wanna I wanna do an AMV from the beginning of this episode to Instruments of Destruction. Please fight that. Well, yeah, and you can use clips from last episode and and a little bit from this episode. Yeah, that'll work. You you do that. I don't want to get into video editing. (laughs) (laughs) Just with all the zombies rising. So anyway, Megatron's got a sword now. Um, Prime's got his gun hands. Yes. Well, Prime's also got a sword, but that gets cut off. Yes. Megatron's sword, I guess, is better. It's better. And Megatron's about to land the killing blow, and then Starscream always calling at the worst time. Also, I continue to love how Prime always says, Dark Energon. (laughs) Yes. So, so epic. (laughs) Every single time he says it. Very dramatic. So dramatic. Okay, anyway. So, he, uh... Well, Starscream is saying, hey, uh, maybe the Autobots are doing something. You want to do something about that or no? Uh, <laughs> Prime takes advantage of that, just shoots him. Yay! 
So starts Megatron does catch up with the other Autobots. He shoots RC into space, but uh, she gets rescued by Bumblebee, and this space bridge just starts going up. Yes, it, and it, it is. It looks really cool. It's still exploding yeah. into polygons, though. Well, yes. It's still exploding. Yeah, but there's into... neat polygon. There's a lot of glowing effects, so yes. it works. There's a lot of glowing polygons, and yeah. Yes. It... And start and Starscream to his credit, I mean, he's still on the ship. And he's all eight hey, Megatron. Um, we we can't get through this space bridge before it explodes. You have to get off it. And yeah. he does not. And he is just, it's kind of like the, it's either like, um, like the creation of Adam, or it's the end of Prince of Darkness. Where Megatron is just sort of reaching towards this one, um, Terracon whose outstretched arm is just about through the space bridge. It's just like, my babies. Yeah, Come to my me, zomb- my babies. It's weird, like, my zombie babies. It's emotional between, like, Megatron and this zombie we've never seen before. Yes. It's odd. Zombie babies. Zombabies. Anyway, and there's then a transwarp explosion. Uh, sadly, it does not cause a quantum surge. We're not getting any trans metals out of this thing. Alas. No. It would be a little early for that. but that Yeah, it would be a little early. We can't be selling new toys already. No. Not before we're done with the pilot episode. Hmm. Wait, did... <sighs> Yes, but no, like there was two different deluxe RCs that came out at the beginning. Yeah, that was bizarre. Two different waves. That, that was strange. Yes, I forget which one. There was the, the whole first one. edition thing. And Except they those were... barely came out. I still managed I to get a hold of. Think it I saw. Them? I needed RC, and I got some of them. I, I got had Bumblebee a and Starscream and RC and Prime and No, I don't think I got the Megatron. No, there wasn't a Megatron. There was a bulkhead that I never found. No. Uh, there was a bulkhead that I ended up paying like $80 for at BotCon. Zoinks. And then Zoinks. later ended up, was it like 100 no, I think they ended up like the first few sold for like 80 and then some other people were marking them up to 120 and it was, Yikes. it was pretty Jeez. bad. Yeah, those, Jeez. I think they mostly hit in Canada for some reason. Uh, so Rob, I never found one. Yeah, why didn't you find one? I tried. Right right in your backyard. Ah. I mean, apparently not enough in your backyard. I didn't need one because I still, I still had an animated bulkhead and he looks basically the same, so. Oh, that's true. It worked. So, so yeah, Starscream is all, well, uh, Megatron's dead, all hail me. Yes. Megatron has fallen. No, he actually is dead this time. He didn't just trip. (laughs) Yep. Look, that happened in G1 one time, okay? <laughs> so, RC, Autobots are back at the base. RC is going to be okay. Um, Fowler is also okay, and he, you know, thanks the Autobots for, you know, not letting him get murdered by robots. It was very And kind then everybody drink, because it's Peter Cullen speech time. Yes. I oh, mean, to it? be fair, it is the end of the first big pilot thingy, so. Yeah, the- it makes most sense here, but this is the four and a half of Prime speech in five episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is definitely the one that most feels like it's the end of a Michael Bay movie, and we're about to hear Linkin Park's latest single. Yeah, it, yes. I would say it, 
it's probably like half the same dialogue from the end of the first movie. I think it's very similar. Also, when they come back and, like, Bumblebee is holding Ursi all dramatically and there's the whole thing with... Or the Pieta thing. With her and Jack and it's like, Ratchet, shouldn't you be doing something here? Yeah, it seems like... the doctor. Eh, she'll be fine. Because they were coming back and Ratchet Ratchet said there were were four life signs, but one of them was weak and and, and, then... Raph sees Bumblebee, yay, he's happy. Miko sees Bulkhead, yay, she's happy. And then R sees, oh no. And Ratchet, do something! But <laughs> R.C. does wake up enough to have some dialogue with Jack. And and R.C. says, there are other motorcycles in this world and Jack is, but you're my first. <laughs> Ratchet, do your damn job. But yes, also, I'm, I'm, I recall all of that toning down a lot after this first episode, but maybe I'm wrong. I guess we'll see. Yep. Yeah, we'll find out. And so, yeah, that is uh, Darkness Rising, and that is our opening five-parter. Yay, the darkness has risen, and yep. uh, I guess it's just going to sit at its pinnacle now. I don't know. Has it has it fallen back, or is it still just staying in that position? I guess we'll find out. I mean, this appears to be the. Uh, I mean, this uh, this appears to be the immediate end of the dark energon threat. Yeah, that's now. fair. Yeah, I guess does it, I don't remember. Anything comes back. It, it does come back eventually. It, it, it becomes a big part of the season-ending multi-parter. It's it's uh, a thing okay. again. Yes. Megatron, well, Megatron rose and then he fell, and now he's fallen. So that's a thing. And yeah, but uh, you know, overall, you know, pretty enjoyable uh, start to this show. You definitely get a sense of the tone, get a pretty good sense of all the characters, get some some shenanigans yes lots of shenanigans not enough Decepticon characters but I guess it's kind of crowded so well we're gonna get a couple in a well we're gonna get well we're gonna get two that are gonna stick around in a couple episodes yes we'll get some soon yay new characters I mean really fun new characters but yay new characters in general so that uh, that about does it for Darkness Rising. Uh, we will be back uh, next week discussing the first non-pilot episode, Masters and Students. Who will be the master and who will be the student? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Will it be an extended metaphor that that applies throughout the entire episode? Will it be ninja bullshit? <laughs> Not a lot of ninjas on this show. Good. Uh, well, but, but uh, get ready for robots in disguise. Yes. Oh, oh I, w- I was about to say, yeah, I- I'd like to see an update of Nightbird, but then I thought about robots in disguise, and oh no. Although I guess he's a samurai, not a ninja. Yeah, that's yeah, but... different. That's a different thing. Well, he's Lockdown your... is kind of a ninja. Well, more ninja than regular Lockdown. Wait, Lockdown? Is it? Isn't that the name of the 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 other guy that shoots little disc thingies, the Decepticon? Uh no, that's Fracture. 
Oh, Fracture. Who's like a more of a bounty hunter, voiced by... Because he's basically like Block. Yeah, he's very locked down, except voiced by celebrity impressionist uh, Kevin Pollack. Ha. Oh. Guy does an amazing Alan Arkin. Hmm. I don't even remember what Alan Arkin sounds like. What is this? Argo. I can't do it. <laughs> anyway, uh, until next time, you can catch us all over the internet. We are on Twitter, we are on Tumblr, and we are on Facebook. And uh, we also have a Patreon. Yes, we have Patreon set up at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, this month, we are talking about uh, more kimono friends. David, David, Ooh. tell us about kimono friends. So go we're we're almost halfway through the series. We got up to episode five with the lake, where we get to talk about an adorable beaver and another adorable prairie dog and and lesbian animal girls. <laughs> beaver. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can get all of that for a mere dollar a month. Since soon we will be talking about. The big summer movies, because it's summer movie time. Yay! That's right. And we're going to go see the big summer movies and anyway. Man, do I love going to the movies in the summer. Oh, yeah, air conditioning. He's nice. I mean, by God. Don't have to worry I... about getting stuck in the snow. <laughs> by God, I will go see The Meg in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. It's coming out. So I'm until sure a lot next of people t- forgot about that. People who were in that movie probably forgot about that. That's it is out. Statham it versus is. Shark. I don't know. It is probably the only thing I'm going to be thinking of until August. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm Diddy. Okay. I'm recording. On the up and up. Okay. I am doing the recording thing. And I'm on Zencaster. I have a lot of tabs open, so maybe I'll close the ones with, like, fancy switch cases. I want them. We should plug our Kimono Friends episode again. I plugged it on uh, um, the Discord anime channel. There aren't many people in. Only one dollar, damn it. Less than a cup of coffee. Mm, yes. Coffee. I, Even the cheap coffee. I'll, I'm not 100% sure of that because I don't actually drink coffee, but I think it's less than a cup of coffee. Yeah, I wish Elita had, Elita One's bigger head, or Elita, whatever the, infinite, whatever the fuck Elita was she was. I wish her head wasn't pretty much just <laughs> exactly the same. I forgot about that. That <laughs> her name is so stupid. And now I can't close it again. Oh, it's good. so stupid.